0: I want to tackle the whole issue of uh, guidance and the question of work and uh, what work we do or, or don't do. And what I've discovered over the years is that uh, the whole question of our work uh, is a significant one and uh, people feel its significance too. And uh, what I'd like to do is just pray that God will help us as we rest with something that um, it can be very close to our hearts. It's uh, in many ways a bit of a sacred cow, I think. And uh, so I... Uh, I tread on on uh, on soil that is dangerous to tread on with this talk in a sense. So uh, let me pray that we can actually wrestle. <laughs> at, as I was saying, very very dangerous, really, uh, the soil. And uh, I was I was told that it's it's only actually dangerous to work with children and animals, but. Uh, I can probably add something to that now, I think. There you go. Uh, you know, time for supper, is that right? No, no, no. So, let me pray and we'll, uh, we'll consider God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You're a God who does speak to us. And we pray that as we continue to wrestle with your word, to think about how you guide and lead us in this world, we'll grow in our love and dependence upon you, the one who has taken the initiative with us, who has... Uh, Uh, sent your son into this world and in him um, magnified your grace and love and mercy towards us in uh, such magnitude that that we can hardly even perceive it. Yet, Father, as we grow in our knowledge and love of him, uh, we pray that we will be caused to serve you more and more with our lives. So, Father, be gracious to us, we pray. Amen. We talked last uh, session about adopting God's priorities in his world, understanding that that's the nature of uh, who he is, the one who deserves us uh, to make him centre of all of our existence. I spoke about the need for us to understand that God has revealed his will to us in all matters of importance in the scripture. Therefore, if we're wanting to work out this whole question of guidance in in any issue, God will have revealed it to us in the scriptures as we uh, wrestle with that truth. And now, as I say, I want to turn to this question of work and to ask those questions. How do we magnify God in this world? How has he called upon us to do it? How does that intersect when it comes to the question of our jobs or our careers? And maybe for some of you, the issue of uh, what we study. The thing is that in terms of uh, your culture, the culture that I come from, work is incredibly important. It's a bit like our our beds. Uh, We spend a third of our life in our beds. We spend about a third of our life working as well. It's a significant chunk of who we are uh, that we set apart for the task of work. It occupies importance. And you know that that's the truth when you get into any social context, don't you? I mean, uh, you know, um, you get into a social setting of some sort, a party with friends, whatever, get together... And uh, there are two questions people will always ask you. The first question is your name, absolutely. And the second question normally is, what do you do? <laughs> That's right, let's try that again. No, no, we don't need to. But it's true, isn't it? At that level, people, you know, part of it's just being polite, um, isn't it? You know, people, I mean, what do you ask people? You know, uh, uh, what's your phone number? That's dangerous. You know, I mean, you throw... <laughs> It's understandable to ask, you know, you know, what do you do? And yet it also is the basis upon which we tend to measure ourselves against others, isn't it? So um, I used to do law, all right? When I introduced myself as a lawyer, bearing in mind I practiced law about 30 years ago when lawyers were a little more popular, uh, but I, you know, people would say, what do you do? I'd say, I'm a lawyer. People go, hmm, you know. Uh, now these days we get to a party and people say, what do you do? I say, I'm a minister of the church. They go, hmm, you know, it's... <laughs> It's subtle, but it's different, you know. And uh, and then I might say, but I used to be a lawyer, they go, hmm, you know. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? People, we tend to assess and measure according to our careers. Uh, work is very important. These days of the global financial crisis, there are many of you who are uncertain whether you, you'll you have work. I went to a conference like this one last weekend. I sat next to a guy uh, at the Saturday night dinner of the conference, and I said, uh, How's your work going? This is a man in his mid 50s. He said, uh, I'm finishing up on Friday. I said, oh, You got any idea what you're doing next? He said, No, no idea at all. Huh? I thought, oh! you know, here we are, right into it. Uh, and, and I asked him that question because I was concerned for him. Uh, as I'm concerned with many people in my congregation, who are facing this, this significant issue of will they have employment? Will they have the same standard of living? And if we're honest, most of us desire to have some measure of success in our jobs. Uh, when I was moving from law into uh, full-time Christian work, I remember catching up with Sue's father, my father-in-law, and just having a bit of a chat with him about what our plans were. It wasn't his first uh, choice for us, for me to move out of law and to move into full-time Christian ministry. I think that's fair to say. But I remember what he said to me. He said, uh, He said, of course, the important thing is you do as well as you possibly can in whatever field you choose. He said, He uh, said, you won't be happy, will you, being a local parish priest? You said, you'll want to become a bishop or something like that, won't you? Work is important, though, isn't it? I mean, I uh, assume it's the same here. We have people whose job is it to tell me what job I should do. Uh, you know, their, their job is to, to advise people on jobs. Um, there was one high school kid uh, at the end of high school at, um, uh, in Adelaide, and he did, went through all the career guidance uh, in terms of working out what he should do. And the advice came back. They thought he would make a marvellous, 16-year-old boy, right? he would make a marvellous undertaker or funeral director. Right? He was quite excited by this, you know. Uh, he's now an associate professor in mathematics at a university. Right? So it was close, you know. Uh, you know, you know. <laughs> but we well, have yeah, people whose is it to give us that sort of advice. And then as Christians, of course, we put another veneer on top, don't we? Because we ask the question, what job does God want me to do? Okay. Well, but what we need to bear in mind is that that is an extraordinarily elitist question. Right? It's an elitist question. Even in our world today, the only people who can ask that question, what job does God want me to do, are rich people. Because we have choice. We can think about where we study or what we study. We can think about the jobs we do. In most parts of the world today, you don't have a choice of what job you do. You do whatever it is you can do to make ends meet. And that has been the history of our world right, up until this point in time for most people. Yes, did what your parents did and uh, imitated them. Now that should alert us uh, to the fact that in some ways this whole question of career and job and everything like that is in some ways uh, an elitist, non-biblical sort of question. It's one that's presented by the culture in which we live Rather than the scriptures. Listen to you if you have choices, but let me say because we have choices, a lot of folk religion has emerged uh, in terms of our thinking about jobs. So let me uh, let's get into it. Let's try and think through biblically how we should think about our jobs. Okay. Firstly, what work is God calling me to do? There's actually a lot of uh, information in the New Testament about uh, the calling nature of our God and the language of calling the only thing is none of it's in relation to jobs interestingly enough although Christians often talk that, that way don't they you know they, they talk about what work is God calling me to do um, what, what, what am I call? actually the Bible doesn't really have that sort of language used ever in relation to our jobs let me show you why okay? there's no question the Bible talks about we have the fact that we have a God who calls. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5.24. I'm going to flick you around the Bibles a bit um, just to give you a weight, mainly. No, not true. Uh, But to actually get you to uh, see uh, the way the Bible uses this whole idea of calling. So 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Okay, it's in the context of the promises of God of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but the point I'm trying to make is that God is described as the calling God. He does call. If we go to 1 Thessalonians 2.12, back just a couple of pages. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 We're encouraged and comforted and urged to live lives worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Again, the God who calls. God is a calling God. And Christians in the New Testament are described as called ones. Listen to uh, Jude 1. Don't don't look it up, just listen to, to it as I read it. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Okay. He's writing to Christians, and he describes them as those who are called, okay, called ones. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verses 23 to 24. Again, it's the same sort of idea. It talks about those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks. Uh, to them, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. God calls, right? That's who He is. Romans 8:28. We looked at that a little earlier. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to his purpose. Christians are called ones. In fact, uh, you could say to me, you know, I'm a Christian, or you could say, I'm a called one. It wouldn't mean exactly the same thing from a biblical point of view. We are called ones, called by God. We're called also, when you look at the New Testament, by the Gospel. In fact, you don't get called into a relationship with God except by his Gospel. Come with me back to... uh, Now this time 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2 and verse 14. Let me read from verse 13 actually. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel. Okay, uh, saved by God, equated with being called uh, by the gospel. Right, that's the way in which we are called. In uh, Galatians one verse sixteen, it reads this way: uh, Paul the apostle writes, and he speaks about the God who set me apart at birth and called me by His grace. He was pleased to reveal His Son to me. Okay, called by the grace of God. Right, that that is. It's the gospel that is full of the grace of God that Paul talks about in Galatians 1. So the question I have for you is, are you called? Now do you understand the question I'm asking? I'm asking, are you a Christian? Have you heard the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and have you responded to it? Are you in his kingdom? Are you in relationship to him? Have you heard his call through that gospel? Now, maybe that there are some of you here this weekend who actually haven't responded to the call of the gospel. And can I say, uh, weekends like this are ideal times for responding to that call. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't made that decision already, to make sure you sort it out before you go home. Nothing more important than responding to the call of God in his gospel. Come and have a chat to me about it. Talk to Andrew, talk to any of your small group leaders. Talk to anyone, really about how you can respond to that gospel. But then the question is, what are we called to do? So I'm up to uh, one part D, if you're following along on the outline. What are we called to do? Or we're called to what? I guess that sort of question. Are we called to jobs, careers or study? New Testament never talks in that sort of way. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. As I say, I won't run you around the Bible forever, uh, but I want you to see that what I'm saying here comes from the Bible. And the reason for this is because, uh, let me say, Christians on the whole, we are very loose with our language of calling. We tend to use it in non-biblical ways, and I think that's quite unhelpful. Okay, We should try and make our language line up with the way the Bible uses it not just for the sake of you know being purists, uh, but because if we're consistent with the way the Bible uses it, we're likely to get the outcomes more correctly worked out as well in terms of application of these principles. Okay, So what do we call to? Uh, 1 Peter 2 uh, verse 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What are we called to do? Uh, we're called to live in the wonderful light that God has called us into. That is, to live holy lives, essentially, and to uh, to honour God by living in the light of that gospel. Back in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 12, we're called to live in God's kingdom. Or in 1 Peter 5, just a bit further on in this letter of 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 10, Uh, God called us into his eternal glory. It speaks about the future that God has called us into. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7, we're told there that God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. That's our calling, to want a God by the way in which we live. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, we're called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, and to live consistently with that fellowship uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, to honour Him. That is our calling. Friends, what is your calling? You are called to be a Christian, to live in relationship with God, to live under His rule and care. You are called into fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. You are called to live in eternity with Him, gathered around the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, This is your calling, to live in relationship with the Lord of heaven and earth by virtue of his generosity to you in the gospel. That is your vocation. That is your calling. That is to be central to your existence. That is to dominate you in every way. Can I say that is an extraordinarily high calling God has privileged us in a marvellous way. I guess what I observe among Christians that that I've been ministering with for a long time now is the way in which so often they get their esteem and sense of self-understanding from the work in which they do, uh, the careers that they have, the jobs that they do. For friends, we have a much higher calling we are called into relationship with a living God, and that is where we derive our sense of purpose and identity. That is to drive that's to make our motors hum, you know, that, that's to give us the uh, the uh, the energy in terms of life and who we are and where we go. That is our calling. But what does the Bible say about our work then? So I'm saying that the Bible doesn't use calling when it comes to work but it obviously does talk about our work. How are we to think about our jobs from a biblical perspective? okay let's uh, have a think about this one together because I want to think about our work and then reflect on how our calling and our work intersect okay that's where, that's where we're going. What we discover when we go to the scriptures is that God is a worker. When you go to a uh, place like Exodus uh, chapter 20 verse 11, We're told there, in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that in them is, but he rested on the seventh day. So here is the character of our great God. He is a worker. He got quite busy, made the world. And he continues to superintend the world. He is an awesome worker. And he also knows how to rest. The Sabbath principle is built into creation. That is the character of God. God is a working God. And we're called to be like God. That is, we're called in the relationship with him and we reflect um, him. We're made in his image. That's the pattern in which we're, uh, uh, we're talked about. So in Genesis 2, uh, verse 15, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Um, in Psalm 104, uh, verses 14 to 23, we have a God there who is described as a worker God in creation. And man, and we're told at the end of those verses, is to be uh, reflect God by working as well. Right? It's a, there's a corresponding image of who we are and what we're meant to do. We also know though that, that the fall affects our work. We're made in God's image and made to work, uh, but because of Genesis 3 and the fall, uh, there are problems. Okay? Genesis 3... Verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you, Uh, speaking to Adam, through painful toil you'll eat of it all days of your life. Uh, Then in verse 19, by the sweat of your